This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi, everyone. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. This is He Said, Ella Dijo with Eric Winter and Rosalind Sanchez. Hello, hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Oh, why? Good afternoon. Are you anxious today? I'm not anxious very often, but you're always anxious I'm about always everything. Anxious, and that's why I'm so happy that we you're have spoken about your anxiety. We have a psychotherapist specializing in treating patients with severe anxiety. Her name is Luana Marquez, author, speaker, and executive coach from Brazil. And she is going to help us navigate this world that we live in that is so stressful. I can't wait. Maybe I know. Solutions to your problems make all of us less stressed out. <laughs> My problems are okay compared to people that have severe anxiety. Well, yours is not light. It We've is been light. in situations uh, where yours has been pretty intense. 
But you know what? Let's let's bring her in. I'm super excited to talk yeah, with her. This is going to be Marquez. such a good one, Dr. Luana Marquez. Hello. Hi. Nice to meet you, Dr. Marquez. Yes. This is exciting. Very excited to have you on, mainly because uh, my wife here deals with a, a definitely a version of anxiety. We've talked about it on the podcast. We've joked about it on the podcast. I know it's not always a joking situation, but it's very real. Um, curious to get some of your thoughts on that. But you know, separately, um, it, was this always your passion to go into this field of, of medicine, dealing with anxiety and uh, all the other things that you, depression, et cetera? So first, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Um, so, you know, I grew up poor in Brazil and, you know, saw a lot of struggle around and eventually really got excited about the brain when I got to the U.S. and was going to college and got excited about psychology. So it wasn't like I was born to be a psychologist. I think I fell into psychology, mostly probably because of my journey to get here. At what age did you move to the States? So I came first as exchange student. I was 18. I spoke no English. Uh, it was a very painful year, I have to say. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, I came back at 21 for college. And you, you have stayed here ever since? So ever since I've stayed in the West, I did undergraduate, graduate school, and now um, continue to stay here. My family is all in Brazil still, but I'm here. Fantastic. I, you know, the funny thing is I was, a, I, got, I got a degree in psychology bachelor's nothing i can do with it in a bachelor's but i was a before i became an actor i was a psychobiology major and i wanted to work in medicine and uh that clearly i fell off the rails on that career path <laughs> and uh, turned out to be an actor but i love this field i love um you know what you do for a living and understanding it so uh yeah this is this is really fun this is fun thank you do you think anxiety is more prevalent in the US than anywhere else in the world? And, and why is that? So I think the, the prevalence is certainly higher in the US than in other areas of the world. I, and I think it's a complex answer. I think one is that, you know, in developing countries, I saw this in Brazil, like sometimes people don't have the time to even stop and think and have anxiety or feelings. It's sort of hard to do. Um, but I honestly think since COVID, if you look at the global data, the WHO is reporting anxiety really rising across the world. So I don't think it's really just unique to the U.S. I do think at times in the U.S. it can be a little elevated. Do you think, though, that some of that has to do, and I'm not saying it's not real, it's very real, I've seen it and I, I live with someone who deals with it, but do you think there's some case for the fact that it's such an open conversation in the U.S., whether it's in media, whether it's in books, whether it's in you know, uh, a podcast, whatever the case may be? I, you know, when I was growing up, obviously in the U.S., I was I knew nobody, I didn't know anybody who dealt with anxiety that I was aware of. Right? I'm assuming yeah. many people dealt with anxiety. I'm assuming many people all over the world deal with anxiety. But if it's not a topic of conversation, no one's you know understanding what someone else is going through. So do you think that's part of it too? It's just come more to the forefront in a conversa in conversation? So, I mean, I think breaking down stigma has allowed people to not suffer in quiet. Like when people suffer with anxiety, it really is hard, right? So I think people just didn't have vocabulary. You know, I, I grew up and I used to have asthma attacks. And as an adult and as a psychologist, what I realized is likely I was having panic attacks. I wasn't having mm -hmm. asthma attacks. But, you know, my mom rushed me to the hospital and she got me the help because I couldn't breathe, but it was always associated with something bad happening in my house. And so I, I actually think it's 
people talking about it, it's not increasing the prevalence. I think it's making people understand that they've been suffering and now they are looking for help. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think it falls similar with depression because again, growing up, I never knew one person who had depression that I was aware of. Whereas now I feel like, especially let's say with celebrities with a, with a platform and a voice, I hear about depression constantly of someone opening up that they're going through a version of depression. It's, it's, it's always out there now. So I do think a lot of it has to do with the you know people being able to, to share their their truth. What would be know? the difference between I have I'm anxious or I'm depressed? Because I'm thinking, okay, depressed, I'm in bed, I don't have a gusto for anything. I just want to be, I just want to dwell, and I just want to be like I have no energy. I'm depressed. I just want to cry. And I think about anxiety is like. I'm hyper aware of everything. Um, I can breathe. Um, my heart is beating fast. And that's also like a panic, mm -hmm. panic attack when, like a, when but, you get one, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a very different deal when you talk about depression or anxiety. It's very different. I love how you described it, actually. It, right? They, but they both run in a spectrum. You're right that depression is more in the I'm tired, I can't get out of bed. It feels like I'm carrying a sack of potatoes around and I can't move. And because that's tends to be more in that I'm vibrating a little faster, right? I'm thinking really fast. What if the worst happens? The thing is, there is a huge correlation. They come together. So a lot of the people that I've treated for anxiety might also deal with some chronic low levels of depression or vice versa. Because, you know, problem sleeping. If you're anxious, your brain's racing. If you're depressed, you may be ruminating about the worst case scenario or how people don't love you, but you're still not sleeping. And mm -hmm. so when we're talking about the two, they both share very similarities. But I, I do think it's important there's a spectrum because anxiety itself is not necessarily a bad thing. The question is how much anxiety and what do you do when you're anxious? Yeah. yeah. So a typical, like, for example, my anxiety, my anxiety is um, I'm very claustrophobic. And I, mm -hmm. I, I have realized that the older I'm getting, the more severe it, it is getting. Um, like I used to manage taking an elevator much better as a younger person. Now, if I can avoid it, I'll avoid it. I, I will avoid it. I'm the girl that, okay, so it's 12 floors. Okay. I can handle 12 floors. I'm just going to go back uh, up and down. Like I've done 30 something floors in Puerto Rico. I rented a, an Airbnb and, and it was, I think it was a floor 34, um, and I, for whatever reason, I rented this place because we were like, the whole family had the flu and I was trying to escape the flu. So it was like an impulsive thing. I'm going to just move to, to this place for two days. And I didn't even check what floor it, it was. I think I just take the stairs and it was mm -hmm. so high. And I got, my panic attack was so crazy that I was going up and down that amount of stairs, up and down, mm -hmm. because I was like, I'm not taking this elevator. She, she panics and maybe you can speak to this. I, I, and again, I can't relate because I don't deal with this. Um, the moment she steps in an elevator and the door's closed, we're going up one floor. Mm -hmm. And she immediately looks up, makes sure everything's moving. If the elevator doesn't move right away, she starts going, oh my God, oh my God. And I say, just, I try and talk to her, just relax. Like we're, it's going to go, yeah. just relax. But everything I say, it's like, it just hits a wall. It never even gets into the ear to have her hear me. Yeah, it's impossible, actually. So, and I bet the anxiety happens before you walk into the elevator. I think just seeing the elevator, walking up to the elevator is where the anxiety really happens, right? Yes. And I think what, what most of us don't understand that don't have those sensations is, you know, all of us, our brain is wired for what? 
to protect us. And whatever the brain perceive as threat, it will react. So if you, if both of you are in face to face with a lion, mm. you both will react the same way. The fight or right? flight, right? Exactly, fight or flight or freeze. Now, for your brain, when you're looking at the elevator and the claustrophobia is coming in, what your brain does, the same thing it does with a lion. It basically goes on fight, flight, or freeze, and it is terrified. And so wants to run out of the elevator no matter what. And even though it's a perceived threat, it's not a real threat, there's no lion in the elevator necessarily, mm -hmm. your brain can't separate the two. It literally can't. And, and the reason it gets worse as you get older is that every time you avoid an elevator, what you tell your brain is, oh, there is a lion there. So the next time it gets worse and worse and okay. your brain's just doing its job. It's trying to protect you. Right? And, and the opposite is actually to choose to approach it, but it's hard. I, I get it. It's hard. And it's interesting with me because it's about aesthetics, like how it sounds crazy, but there are some places that he says the elevator as he knows the elevator opens i look at the space i look at the look does it look new is it old how is it painted how is it not does it have a mirror there's a lot of things yep. that my might make make me feel more comfortable but if it's an elevator mm -hmm. that i feel like it, the building is old it's so dark it's not cold that i have an issue with feeling like there's no oxygen so if like a yeah. plane, I don't do, I travel monthly. I don't even know how I do it. Like I used to medicate myself to be able to fly. Now I'm doing better. Mm -hmm. My problem is as long as I am flying, if it's mm -hmm. already flying and the there's, there's cold air, mm -hmm. I get comfortable. But if yeah. I am cruising, right? If she's taxiing on the runway or we get stuck. And we get stuck. And then I feel like the air that is coming out of the little device, it's not mm -hmm. cold. Mm -hmm. immediately my brain says there's no oxygen i can breathe i can breathe yeah. i can breathe and he says to me ross you're breathing you're I said speaking that, I said there's oxygen <laughs> but in my yeah. mind i have i have i already convinced myself that i cannot breathe then immediately i feel mm -hmm. like a fire and it's and he doesn't know because he doesn't suffer from that and i say eric mm -hmm. i feel this warmth go from the from my feet yeah. all the way up to my head i start sweating yeah. and i need to get naked i have to take my clothes immediately because uh -huh. I need to get naked and find something cold that I can press myself against. It's the yeah. weirdest thing. And I know it sounds cuckoo and I've had it in front of him, in front of my kids, and he gets so mortified. And I said, Eric, if I could control it, no, I, try I to would. I try to help, but then you can only do so much and then you worry that yeah. the kids are going to see it and then, you know, absorb that behavior or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. Is that but, normal? But, but I, is that, is that yeah, explanation so, so normal? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so let's slow it down because you guys are saying so much. And I think it's so helpful for people to even understand what you guys are saying. Because there's two parts yeah. that I hear both of you talking about, right? The first one is your experience is sitting there and see your brain is making a prediction. I'm going to run out of air. Now, when was the last time you ran out of air in your life? Never, 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 never. Right. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, that argument doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is because you don't fight, fight or freeze. And so when we're on fight, fight, or freeze, thinking brain is out to lunch. Imagine that you took your thinking brain and threw it out of the airplane because there's actually no thinking brain happening. Mm -hmm. That's why, Eric, you can't get through to her because there is no thinking in yeah, that She's point, a different person, right? no question, in well, that moment. Well, well she's, she, she's the same person with a brain that's scarceless. But <laughs> like, you know when you look is. at somebody in the eyes and you're like, like you said, like yeah. that person left. Like that, yeah. that thinking brain, I can look at her and I'm like, it's gone. There's no communication. It's biologically gone. So it's yeah. I, the reason I want to slow us down is because it's biologically gone. And so it's not your fault they can't think straight. You literally can't. You can try as hard as you can, but it's actually 
biologically impossible. And so as a family member, though, what I hear you saying, I hear this a ton, is like, what do I do then? Like, mm -hmm. how do we deal with this? And there's two things we can do. So the first one is the more you try to avoid panic, there's only one thing that's going to happen. Panic more. You're going to panic because <laughs> the brain is hearing danger, danger, danger. Um, in fact, I, you know, I did this course with Ben Harris and I shoved him in an elevator and put boxes in there. And we're like, we're going to ride this elevator up and down and we're going to put boxes in there. And, and he said the same thing. He's like, I'm if you the devil. And I said, Dan, I'm not the devil. We're just doing exposure. We're going to get you better. Oh my like, God. So like there's treatment. That's the first piece. You can get really better with good treatment for the family member though. What you need to just do is like, remind her, this is just biology. There's no lion. And, and you can't fix it. So you just say, yeah, it's, it's a biology. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I love sharing positive tips with my listeners on everything from health challenges to relationship troubles because life happens, baby, but you got this. Hi there. I'm Honey German, and I know we can all use some positive energy these days. That's why I make sure to empower my community because a bit of motivation and support can go a long way. And luckily, we have State Farm to support us. Like when you talk to a State Farm agent to choose the coverage you need, and they have the options to protect the things you value most. It's the perfect positive tip you need. State Farm is also a big supporter of the My Cultura Podcast Network, where we as podcast hosts get to share our experiences and stories. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite My Cultura shows wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What do I do if she's trying to take off her clothes on an airplane? Which has happened. <laughs> like, I have literally stopped. I had to rush her to the front of a plane in the Dominican Republic. We were dumping ice down her clothes. She had cold towels. Flight attendants got involved. She's sitting on the floor, and I'm trying to shield people from seeing my wife get naked. What do you do? So I was going to say two things. First, rush her to the bathroom. Rush her to the bathroom. But you know they so won't let you sometimes, right? Like, oh, they'll make, they'll make you exit the plane. They have to pull the whole plane over, and then... Now everybody's stranded with a delayed flight because they have to get her off, right? Because she won't stay seated. So two things I'm going to recommend to you guys. First, let's treat this and get you better. There's no reason <laughs> to live your life this way. There's just no reason. Like it's controlling your happiness and, and it shouldn't be that way. So the first thing I'll say, but I'll give you a band-aid. So in dialectical behavior therapy, there is a really cool trick that you already were using, but you're using reactively. So let's use it proactively. Before you get on a plane next time, just go to the next convenience thing, get a bag of ice cubes and just go in the plane with a bunch of ice cubes. And this is the deal. If you start to panic, take an ice cube on both hands and hold it and just literally feel the burn on both hands. This is why. Okay. Pain does control out the lead in the brain. So pain tends to override a little bit. And if you do this before you get to that panic attack, then likely you can sort of bring it down. And it sounds like the cold already helps. So now let me be very clear. It's a Band-Aid. I'm offering you a, a lifeline that's yeah. a Band-Aid. There is better treatment. I get okay. it though, because pain would be the next, would be the most important thing, right? For your brain to respond to. Like, I, I don't want my, you know, you're in the middle of literally dying or feeling excruciating pain. Your body's going to shut off the fake sort of pain yep. or fear and go after the real issue and say, oh my God, my hands are cold. This hurts. Oh my God. That's, that's it, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm doing much yeah. better though. I think and when it comes to flying, the flying situation because I fly so much, 
And listen, the amount of the, the, the amount of manifesting and visualizing that everything is going to go smooth, I say, you know, facile suave, facile suave, facile suave. Mm-hmm. And I just keep telling, telling my brain and telling the universe, this flight, no delays, no issues with the plane, beautiful AC, so I'm freezing cold. Like, I'm the girl that everybody's <laughs> freezing, and I keep telling the flight attendant, can you, can you make it colder? <laughs> and everybody's freezing. Because when I keep manifesting that it's going to be okay, so I'm actually doing better. My problem now, it's, it's more than, it's the, it's the elevator situation that I was very proud of myself. I was doing some press last week, and it was a universal, and I, it was just one floor. But it was one of those industrial, big, weird, yep. slow elevators and I was like, and then like, Ross, just do it. I said, yeah, but can I take the stairs? And my friend mm-hmm. said, just conquer your fear and do it. And I went in and I'm going, okay, I'm going to do it. And it was shocking to me that I did it for just one floor. I will never do that. If it's just one floor, I'm going to find the stairs. So, I, I, you know, if, if I may, given that we're talking about this and I'm giving you some tips, the reason the elevator gets worse is because you're avoiding the elevator, right? The reason okay. the plane is not so bad is because you're flying. And so the problem is really not anxiety, is that we, when we get anxious, we avoid, and avoidance maintains anxiety. So if you want to tackle this, you know, take one, and, and the principle is the idea of doing the same thing over and over again. So if there is an elevator, you can write just one floor, okay? Get, write that floor up, take the stairs down, write that floor up, take the stairs down, write that floor up, oh take, and do it over and over again until your brain hears, okay, one floor I can handle in this elevator. Right. And then try a different elevator and a different elevator. This principle of exposure therapy, that's how I conquer my fear heights, by the way. I realized mm. I had a huge fear heights and I was hiking Yosemite National Park. I was in the top of it when I realized I needed to like hold cables and I just started to cry. And I was like, wow. oh my God, this is not going to happen. And so eventually I took it on. I said, I can't teach people how to do this and not do it myself. And the day I went skydiving, I did three times in a row. <gasps> Not once, I did three times because I was like, if I don't do it more than once, I'm never going to get on this plane again. So you can get better. I, I, I really think you can. So that's amazing. That's because I never thought I was going to be able to get better. Actually, I thought the older I'm getting, the more severe it's going to get. So I appreciate the tools because, I don't, yeah, it's uncomfortable. I feel bad for my kids. You have no idea. We have an 11-year-old and a 5-year-old, and they've seen me having yeah. these episodes. And it kills me because I'm like, I don't want to be that mom that somehow subconsciously passes this thing to her kids. And Isabella, I think not too long ago, right? She's, she's been saying, because I say it, right? And mm-hmm. I say it loosely as a joke, but then the mm-hmm. other day she goes, I think I'm having a panic attack. And it, I couldn't believe that those words came out of her mouth. And I immediately sat her down and I said, Isabella, you're not having anything. You don't even know what you're saying, number one. You don't even mm-hmm. know what a panic attack is. And I have so much apologize that you hear me say that because I don't even have panic attacks. You know, it's like not even Mm -hmm. fair to the people that actually suffer that. So let me tell you something. You're fine. You're perfect. You don't don't ever copy my behavior. It's not cool. You're so healthy. Your mind is. So I started giving her this whole thing because I was like, what am I doing? I don't want this girl to auto create an issue that she doesn't even have. Yeah. So the thing about kids is that they are listening and watching all the time. So it's not that they are just copying, like we're modeling, right? I have a five-year-old um, mm. and my five-year-old the other day, I was here um, getting ready for this you know, podcast. And he said he wanted to do his own podcast. And I said, what's your podcast? And I was like, literally, he's like, how on my podcast? I said, Diego, what is your podcast? He's like, I want to talk about people's emotions and how they're feeling. And if they didn't, can't talk about their emotions, they can't get help. And I was like, oh <laughs> my God. Five. Oh my God. <laughs> 
The psychologist right there. I mean, talking about people's and their emotions and things. And so I do think that, you know, sometimes the only way to get better for things like this is to get a good motivation. And I don't know about you, but my kid is a damn good motivation for me. Like, that's yeah. the reason I go through hard things. I try yeah. to tell Rosalind that all the time. I'm like, if you can just, just think about the kids, think about the kids. You can push through this because you have a kid sitting here looking at you right now, modeling after what you're doing. Look at them and push through. I try to tell her. And I try. It's easier I, said than done. And I'm I sure. do my best. And then in the, let me ask you. So if you, your mom, we're parents, if you have, how do you recognize, like the, the Sabella, my kid's situation, I know she's repeating what I'm saying. But if you're, uh -huh. a, you're a parent, how can you identify a kid that is having some anxiety issues, not telling you, not verbalizing it, right? Mm -hmm. How can you identify that or even my kid is getting a little bit depressed, even though, again, mm -hmm. he's not like, I'm in bed, I don't want to get up, leave me alone, or, yeah. oh my God, mom, I'm crying all day long. What are some things that you can identify as a parent early on to know, mm, I might have an issue in the future? Yeah. So, you know, depends on the age of the kid. And the way I think I talk to parents and the way I think about my son is, you know, kids have a temperament. They're born with a temperament. Some kids are very extrovert. Some kids are more introverts. Some kids are more anxious. And once you get to know your kid, you sort of know their temperament. They have this set of friends. They do. And so once you know that, then the question is, are they behaving early on in a way that's not consistent with their temperament? You know, I don't want to play with Joey anymore. Oh, I don't want to like, I don't really like this group. So you want to sort of just look at the baseline and, and notice what they're doing. Eventually, though, by the age they're five, you can just have conversations about what does it feel like in your body? Right. Like I will ask my son, like, what does he feel like when he's really upset? Tell me what it feels like. And if you get them to start developing vocabulary, then you get to observe what's going through their brain and their actions. But, you know, actions speak louder than word for kids. Sometimes it's not they're not telling you anything, but they are oversleeping. They are stopping eating. They are eating too much. They are avoiding their friends. Those are indicators that perhaps there is something behind the curtain. And how do you deal with a kid, like a teenager, that is doing what you just said, sleeps a little too much, it could be two in the afternoon and they're still sleeping, um, zero social skills, um, not, motivated. not motivated to do anything, great student, all A's, you know, like the, mm -hmm. the, the smartest girl in the room, mm -hmm. um, but that you know she's or he is struggling and you talk and you talk and you talk and you offer help and I want to take you to a therapist and let's go to a psychologist and they say no 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 how do you deal with that yeah so teenager years are so hard because there's so much hormones their brain's not fully developed no one is until we're 30 and so you know ideally um a couple a couple of things there's no black and white answer but the first one is I Ideally, we catch it earlier enough before it becomes a clinical depression or anxiety, right? And again, there is a baseline for teenagers that oversleeping may be okay, right? But what is in their life that you see the interference or the stress? And here's what I mean by that. Are they happy with their friends? Do they want more friends? Are, are they, you know, not engaging with school besides just academics, because you want to foster a fully developed kid. And so one way is to try to talk to them about what are the things in their lives that they may want that they don't have. So instead of going, you have a problem, let's talk about that problem. You can back up a little bit. 
like, you know, I've noticed you sleeping a lot and you're not hanging out with friends. There's something missing in your life, right? Or maybe not talking about going to a psychologist, but you know, I got you a coach to help you thrive more in your friendships. A lot of cognitive behavior therapists function like coaches. Oh, let's talk the same way you have a basketball coach. Can we talk about a coach for your brain so that your brain can be the best it can be? You want to mm -hmm. meet the kid where they're at. There's this great book from the 80s, um, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. Um, it's great. But like, really it's about listening and tolerating some discomfort. I don't know any parents that has teenagers that don't have some discomfort. Like, yeah. they're teenagers. They're, they're tough at times. That's part of does, the that, yeah. does that answer your question? Yes, yeah, very, much, job, very much. Tell us about your, your book. I know you have uh, a new book coming out, right? Bold bold move a three-step plan to transform anxiety into power um can you talk about your book a little bit yeah absolutely so this book is very personal to me um it, the premise of the book is that although everybody that comes to me wants me to get rid of their anxiety the same way you guys want to get rid of your anxiety um anxiety is really not what get most of us stuck is that we avoid when we're anxious we walk away and so in the book, I talk about the examples of avoidance. Some of us will react and yell in anger. Some of us walk away from the elevator, for example, we retreat. And some of us remain stuck on relationships we don't like, on jobs that we don't like. And those are examples of avoidance. And the book talks about three sets of skills, shift, approach, and align as ways to really transform anxiety into power. And the reason I love this book and it's so personal to me is because it's the first time I talk about the diversity I grew up in Brazil and what were the skills that I learned from my grandmother. I honestly probably would have become a really shy kid if I didn't move in with my grandmother. And what she did is I like I was terrified of strangers. It was this big city in Brazil. And she said, hey, let's go to the mall. And I was like, sure, we can go to the mall. And she forced me to talk to strangers. Literally, mm -hmm. she's like, oh, let's talk to that old man. Oh, let's talk to that cute guy. And that's actually exposure therapy. And so I share some of those examples in the book as a way to inspire people to really transform anxiety into power, to live their boldest life in the way that they think it, they're being bold. Um, and so that's that's what the book's about. I love that's it. I wanna, I'm going to get it for sure. You know, it's so, it's so interesting because it's such a complicated, because it involves your brain, you know. Um, and something as simple as you're avoiding what's making you anxious so you just have to go head on and just try to tackle that like i never thought the way for me to overcompensate this problem is even though i don't want to take the elevator i'm going to take it take it again take it again take it again like i that will be torture for me but the reality the torture is going to be the cure or it's going to be what's it's going to be the pathway to actually getting better something as simple as that i was okay to me it was yeah. i don't want to go through it so i just take the stairs i don't have to mm -hmm. take it it's tra you know, yeah, training, you're training your brain. If you think about it, like in fitness, right? If someone's, uh, you're, you're thinking the same thing, right? You think about fitness, you're like, oh That's God, sick. I need to lose weight, but I really don't want to work out. It's so tired. It's exhausting. I feel like, oh, it's just, it makes me sore afterwards. I, I, I'm afraid of failure, all these things. You're never going to work out. You're never going to lose weight. Um, yeah. That's it. it. It's the I, same, I love that. Same kind mm -hmm. of model. Uh, you know, you're training your body, you train your brain. It's, it's. I, I, I mean, it. we do we do push-ups. We go to the gym. You know, I'm speaking at Formula One on um, next week at a panel, and I keep thinking about you know the Formula One drivers. It's not that they're fearless; they have fear, but they show up and they drive again mm, and yeah. again. 
and they force themselves towards that fear so they can live their best life doing what they love to do. And, you know, the elevator, you said it's torture, but it's only torture because your brain perceives it as torture. Yeah. If, you do the, if you do the reps in the elevator, the biology is so simple. It stops firing. So if you do try this, so like I'd love for you to send me a message and tell me how it went, but like just take yeah. one elevator that you think is super comfortable they'd like to avoid, do one flight up and down, up and down, up and down, do it for 10 minutes and tell me what happened to your anxiety. Oh my goodness. That's I will. Great. I will. <laughs> I love it. I want, I want to yes. have you on, uh, have you on more. <laughs> yes. This, this is like great. a fascinating uh, topic. Bold move guys. Let's go read it. Let's find it. It's, I think it's very valuable. Even if you don't suffer from anxiety, but if you're a parent, if you're a friend, yeah. um, if you're a daughter, if so everybody knows somebody that is going through this situation. So it's going to be good for everybody to read, even if it's not for you, to help somebody else. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, Dr. Marquez, thank you for being with us. Yes. We really appreciate your time. Let's do it again. Yes. Oh, thank you both and good luck on your exposure. I am sure you're going to conquer this if you want to. I will. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay. My pleasure. Bye. So interesting, Eric. You're going to do this exposure treatment with me. I'm not going to do it solo. But that, that, that doesn't help you. You have to do it on your... I can, I can, I can be in the one a million out, years, I'm going to take the elevator. I can be the elevator pushing the button for you no, every time. No, 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 the whole You have to face your fear you by know, yourself. You know the deal. It's one person, two max. No. I cannot do it by myself or with too many you're people. You're missing her point too. You can't always grab someone to go in the elevator with you. That's truth. Sometimes you have to take the elevator it's by yourself. It's baby stays with me. One one step at a time. I go with somebody, and then after I conquer that, I try to do it by myself. It's okay. I'll take the stairs. <laughs> no, you're gonna go in the elevator. <laughs> it's a form of exercise. We're gonna post this on on Instagram. Oh you're my going goodness! In the elevator by yourself. I push the button. No, but I'm doing go. much better, Eric. I'm actually doing much better. You already said right now. You already said I'm not gonna do it. I didn't say that. You Whatever. said I'll take the stairs. Thank you. Thank you oh, so much, Doctor Marquez. We have a lot of Doctor Marquez. Do. No, this All was right. amazing. Thank you. I love you. Love you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to write us a review and tell us what you think. If you want to follow us on Instagram, check us out at he said, ella dijo, or send us an email, Eric and Ross at iHeartRadio.com. He said, ella dijo is part of iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. See you next time. Bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.